Hey, I'm Jason Bowman, and uh, I am here with Steve Pike and good friend Ray Hudson. Uh, Steve, we are here on the Exponential site, and uh, you actually are at a big Exponential event uh, right now down in Austin. They've, they've stuck you in a storage closet for the this call, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, man, glad to have you here. I am, I am personally, uh, super excited for today's call because we're talking about reimagining discipleship and it's, it's one of my favorite chapters in your book, next wave, uh, shameless plug, uh, chapter two shift two that we have to reimagine discipleship. Uh, can you just give us just real quick, a, a quick overview of that chapter, what do you mean when you say reimagine discipleship? Hey, thanks, Jason. It is so good to be here and be part of this. And yeah, I'm, I'm here in, in Austin, Texas at a really exciting event. And I want to say that, oh my goodness, this, uh, this event has only reinforced what we're going to be talking about today. There's, there's like this huge watershed moment for the church where discipleship is getting back in the place it probably should have had all along. But let's, let me talk really quick about what the shift is about. So I'm going to share my screen here um, that just shows you some diagrams that are actually in the book next wave um, that we'll just talk through really quick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the first, this is the first diagram that, that helps to illustrate the current view or the 20th century view of disciple making or discipleship, basically people have always seen it as, okay, you start making disciples. Once somebody's been become saved, then you get them into a discipleship program and you have things like 101, 201, 301. This is, this is the illustration of that. And we're very intentional about that. We say, you know, people need to learn what Christians believe and people need to learn what their gifts are and people need to be empowered for ministry. And that's all true. And that is, this, this is definitely part of the, the process of making disciples. But one of the challenges that creates is if you're starting a brand new church in a, in a community and you say, okay, we, we, we got to make disciples, then the, you know, where, where did the people come from that you're going to make disciples on of if they have to be saved? And so, you know, the answer to that is, um, well, you know, we, we get them saved, you know, so there's the, the pre-conversion thing uh, of outreach evangelism and service projects. And so what you see is on, on the post-conversion side, um, it's, it's very intentional. And we have the church is organized around intentionality and there's regular disciple making things and stuff. But on the, on the pre-conversion side, evangelism is often more spontaneous, less structured, less intentional, or just kind of an occasional thing. Let's all get psyched up and go win some people to Jesus so then we can make disciples of them. That's typically what it's been thought of. And so, uh, and that's a real problem, again, for church planting is if, if your goal is to, you know, you're going to make disciples. So generally what churches have done is they try to gather a bunch of Christians together and say, okay, let's go make disciples or let's make disciples of them. And and, and it just it just hasn't worked uh, the way we see it in, in the early New Testament. So we started looking at the New Testament thing. Wait a minute. How, how did they think about disciple making? And we realized, like, when Jesus made his disciples, he actually started with people who weren't even Christians yet. Those guys, uh, you, know, you, can, you can debate about when they became Christians, but it's clear that when he first invited them to follow him, he just invited them to follow him. They didn't go through the sinner's prayer or some kind of, some kind of process to acknowledge faith in Christ. They, they, you know, they, they just, uh, 
I just started following him and, and he made disciples of people who weren't even Christians yet. And so we, when we were in Utah, uh, starting a church, we, we started thinking about, okay, how do we help people move toward faith in Jesus? And so it looked more like this. Um, uh, we realized that before somebody, Jesus said, my mission is to seek and save that which is lost. And so there's the seeking side of disciple making and the saving side of disciple making. And the seeking side is with people who aren't yet followers. They're not yet acknowledging themselves to be followers of Jesus, or they haven't come to that point of saying, yes, I'm following Jesus. The saving side is, okay, now we're helping them mature and grow in Christ. So what? So they can become, as the as the illustration shows, they're, they're released back into joining Jesus in seeking and in saving. So uh, we, and so the, the, the part of the disciple making uh, process that most churches are uh, oriented around is that saving side where they're helping people grow in their faith in Jesus. And they're very intentional about that, but the seeking side has been less intentional. And so we started asking, what are the things that are intentional that we can be intentional about? And long story short, we reverse engineered how people came to faith in Utah. And I've, uh, now it's, this is just crystal clear to us and, and it applies in every imaginable setting. And it, and it was basically the first thing that happens is to become aware of a follower of Jesus in a positive way. And then they become connected to that person just through, uh, usually it's just introduction, like my name is Steve, your name is John, Jason, whatever. Now I know you by name, I can pray for you. Whether I know anything else about you, that's a connection. And once I know somebody's name, I can pray for them and be intentional about that. And then thirdly, it's relationships. So we're connected to people first through name, and then maybe we go to the same school or this, live in the same neighborhood or work at the same job or live, you know, whatever. There's something that, that we are able to share story about. So we know their story and they know we know their story. That's relationship. And then spiritual conversations come out of relationship. And so it's natural when you're in a relationship with somebody to share a little bit about your life with them or for them to share about their life. And that opens up the door for spiritual conversations, which ultimately then lead to the conversation about following Jesus, that evangelism moment. So we say evangelism happens inside of disciple making. So that's kind of a very quick, very inadequate flyover of what chapter two, reimagine disciple making or discipleship is all about. Well, I think it's super important and uh, we're going to dive in more. And uh, if you're just tuning in to the Exponential uh, platform right now, uh, my name is Jason Bowman with Art Speak Creative. I'm here with Steve Pike, author of Next Wave. Uh, we're talking about discipleship today, reimagining discipleship. And uh, we've got a special guest with us. I'll go ahead and let Steve uh, introduce. Yeah, so I... What I just shared is sort of the theory or the, the concept, which has been lived out in many different ways in many different places across the country over the last you know 15 years or something. But uh, I wanted to introduce you to somebody who's, when I heard his story, even though he hadn't read the book yet, <laughs> um, everything I just described, they have actually put flesh and bones onto that. The, the church was started and built over that. So his, my, my friend's name is Ray Hudson. Ray is pastor of City Center Church in Berkeley, California, of all places. Not necessarily at the top of the list of people like, where are you going to go plant a church? Oh, let's go to Berkeley, uh, because that has a reputation to be kind of a hard place. But there you went. Uh, Ray, tell us. 
tell us a story about why did you go to Berkeley, man? Why what Berkeley? in the world? Yeah. Yeah, I got bribed, actually, uh, to go to, to Berkeley um, by the Lord. Um, no, uh, Berkeley is an amazing place. I think in the middle of this conversation, even this conversation about discipleship, what that looks like, I think when we try to go and save people, um, I think we put the weight on ourselves and take the weight off of God. And it's just, I'm so thankful that the weight of this, of salvation is on God and the act of discipling, uh, what we're talking about now, loving and serving people is on us. Um, and so, yeah, I was the executive pastor of a multi-site church here in the uh, Bay Area and uh, overseeing church planting uh, and staff and all those fun things. And uh, I just, you know, without making it a long story, there really was probably four, le- four years leading up to um, us planting in Berkeley that really uh, set the stage for us to be here. Uh, one of which Earl Kreps, uh, when he was in Berkeley, we knew him uh, doing a great work in a hard, hard uh, place. And uh, he even talked to us about potentially helping with his church. You know what I mean? And so that was, wow, four or five years ago, you know? And so I just, I think God has been kind of, you know, positioning us and preparing us and getting our hearts ready uh, to really be there. And then also uh, teaching us grace. I think that as a church, we don't truly understand the grace of God, the love of God. And so because of that, that affects how we view ministry that we do. So I say, and I want everyone to know listening, one, thank you for allowing me to be here. And it is an honor to plant a church in Berkeley. Uh, privilege. These are great people who just can't see Jesus. And so we hope as a church that we can help them see it. So. Well, I think you're already doing that, Ray, and uh, just uh, such an honor to know you and been able to, even over the last couple of months, walk alongside, you know, conversationally with what you guys are doing there. Um, I, you know, if you, well, one, if you're just tuning in just now to the Exponential Platform, um, Jason Bowen with Art Speak Creative, we're with Steve Pike and author of Next Wave and Ray Hudson, uh, pastor at City Center Church in Berkeley, California. Uh, Ray, you've been a worship leader, a dream team, a dream center director, now a church planter. You've been on staff at churches. Uh, you're, you're ramping up. You're getting ready. I know this uh, over a year ago. You're getting ready to launch a church in Berkeley. You're moving your family there. Things are starting to happen. You got big vision, big dreams. And then a global pandemic. And I know in this process, you made some big pivots. Just even, you know, how did you navigate that as a church planter over this last year? I know, I know you've done some very innovative things. I uh, would love to love to hear a little bit of that as we ramp it. And then, and I do think that it's going to take us right into the discipleship making conversation. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, you know, we, like you said, 2019, we moved our family into Berkeley and uh, we're excited, ready uh, to get prepared to launch our church 2020 September. And, um, and so we did a lot of the things that we probably won't talk about, but you know, as you look through next wave, it's funny, like Steve said, I've not read his book yet. Um, and so, but I will, but, I, but yeah, I know, I know, but I'm in this journey of innovation, which means for me, I'm trying to both use scripture and our context to shape um, how we do ministry. And so because of that, you know, I'm trying not to taint the creation uh, side, um, although I will read it, Steve. Um, but um, but I think in the middle of that, though, uh, you know, we our plan was to, to launch September 2020. Um, March comes along. We all know that know it right. March uh, eighth, President Trump then um, puts a ban on uh, for travel and the world goes crazy, right? In that moment. And I remember as that was happening, still not knowing what was going to happen, I just 
Um, you know, I, I try to be strategic. I try to listen to God. I try to pray. And I can't say it's me, uh, Jason. It was more just praying. So that Monday I prayed and just felt God say, this is the very reason that I called you out. And he said, you know, don't lean back, but push forward. Uh, what that meant for me was, okay, like if I look forward, if um, this goes on, we can't launch the way we thought we were going to launch. Uh, the funny thing about this, and it's funny, you know, we, we plan, but God, you know, does what he does. And literally the Saturday, uh, that Saturday before that Monday, we had this huge strategic planning meeting and uh, our team, our team leads were excited. We talked about all things we're going to do the next six months and then Monday comes. Um, but I think in the midst of innovation or even pivoting, um, I think there are times where we don't adapt what we're doing and we miss out on what God's doing. And so for us uh, that Monday, I just felt like God was saying it's, we needed to shift. And so really within a week, I met with our board, our team leads, wrote a new strategic plan and felt God said, hey, I want you to launch a digital church. Everyone's going digital. Um, even though you guys haven't launched yet, we have a strong team. We have been loving and serving the community then for like over a year. Um, and so for us, we felt God say pivot into a online campus while we're dealing with all the things that are going on. Uh, and so we've been, you know, digital now. We had a year anniversary of digital uh, this last Easter. And so, um, yeah, so we've just been trying to pivot and innovate in the midst of a crazy season in Berkeley, the worst restrictions uh, and still coming out of that. Uh, but knowing that God has great things in store. And so and, and realizing that church is more than just a service on the weekend. Um, yeah. yeah, so good, Ray. Um, and it's it's an amazing story. And a lot of people might be tempted to just hear that story and go, oh, so you guys just launched this digital church kind of out of nowhere. Uh, you just, you know, in the beginning of March, you're like, hey, let's just go digital. Let's just, you know, go for it. But the reason you were able to do that was you just said it. You'd been working for like a year in the community before you did any kind of big, any kind of church expression publicly, you didn't have gatherings, you didn't have pre-services going. I think you're getting ready to do some sort of traditional, I call it traditional pre-launch kind of services. And you pivoted to the digital deal and launched the church early. But here's the thing. This, I really want to dig in this because it's so important. You guys actually went from our definition uh, of reimagining disciple making, we would say you guys went into Berkeley and just started making disciples. And the first phase of making disciples, uh, the way we think about it, the first act of intentionality is making people aware of you in a positive way. So I'd love for you to just give us some practical examples of how you guys just made, you know, uh, made yourselves known in Berkeley before you ever had you know, a, a, any kind of a worship service or anything like that. What did you guys do that put you in a, in, a, in connection with people in a way that was, they, they were positively aware of you? Yeah. We just prayed, you know, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but it started with prayer. Um, it really did. And I think that, so uh, April, 2019 um, pre pandemic, we were just praying and saying, what's going to make us different. Like in the midst of the Bay area, in the midst of Berkeley, trying to plant a church, like what's going to make you different in that season? And I remember talking to a friend of mine and he, and he asked me that question, like, what's going to make you different? Like, I get that you're a leader, but what does that, what does that mean in the context of a city like Berkeley where over 90% of the community want nothing to do with faith? And I remember one day I was up in the Tilden Hills, it was super foggy. And I was, had just got done praying. I was in Berkeley, leaving Berkeley, Tilden Hills, foggy day. And I just feel God stopped me. And he says, the job I'm asking you to do is easier than you think. 
He said, I don't want you to go try to save people, but I want you to help them to see me through their fog. And whatever that fog may be, their viewpoints, their aspirations for life, loss that they've had, preconceived notions about church. And it was at that moment where we came up with an outcome. So I'm up there and, I, and, and this is the outcome that I feel like God had given me for our church, which was, he said, man, I want you to be a church that loves and serves way before you ever launch. That was, I'm up there. He says, be a church that loves and serves way before you ever launch. And so our outcome for our church is that we want to love and serve people so hard that when they interact with us, they just rethink their preconceived notions about faith. In a city like Berkeley, where they want nothing to do with God, it's not that I'm trying to get them to salvation right now because that's the work of God. But to your point of like, how do we get them the awareness is to say, but, but can I get them to the point to where they at least rethink church or rethink believers or rethink Christianity? Because at that moment, now you have a relationship that can be formed that then says, okay, I don't want what I've always seen, but there's something different about you. And so with that in mind, you know, April, uh, I mean, August 2019, we start serving in the Berkeley School District. They didn't want us there. We went in with no preconceived notions. I didn't say I want to do a Bible study or hang out with your kids. We just said, hey, how can we serve you? We just want to serve. And, and I promise you, if you were a fly on the wall in that meeting, you would have been like, why are you still sitting here? I mean, there was no smiling. There was no, but what there was, was an opportunity. God knew we were going in there. The opportunity was the UC Berkeley games. Um, and I'm, I'm giving you more on this one, and I'll give you the list of other stuff. But this was like the defining moment. The UC Berkeley games, uh, uh, Every almost all the schools in Berkeley have parking lots. And so, but Berkeley doesn't have a lot of parking, right? And so for UC Berkeley games, there's a partnership with the school district where um, if you go to a game, you can park at a school. It's like 20 bucks or something. And so the school had been doing this for years upon years, but these last two years, it's been hard to get teachers to want to leave their house and come and serve there. And so we said, hey, we'll take it. They didn't want to give us anything. They said, we don't really have anything, but we have this. It's like 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. certain games. You know, it's just like craziness. And so our first team meeting was that weekend. So I met with them that weekend. I talked to our team. I said, look, God gave me the vision that we need to love and serve way before we ever launch. And it is from that, literally, it was that one thing that, well, perception change, realizing that it's about loving and serving, um, that really catapulted us to where we are. If I fast forward all the way to where we are today, just last week, school districts recording in our studio that I'm sitting in right now, they're doing this um, volunteer appreciation banquet that they do every year. And they, they, rep, they always celebrate four teachers or staff or administration this year they did volunteers and, and we were one of the four and they did a video. Listen to this in Berkeley, California, they did a video on city center church. And we're talking about our heart for pa pastoring and I mean, not pastoring, serving, loving. And so I say that to say our outcome is being realized, right? We have from where we are today to where we were then um, through the pandemic, we managed all their volunteers. We've done donut days where they promote it. The Berkeley school district, is promoting uh, a family donut day, or they let us do um, spring boxes. We could call them Easter boxes, but spring boxes for kids. Just this last week, we did, um, we gave every teacher in the school district with our name on it. They asked, they said it was fine. Hey, uh, thank you for, for teaching in, this, in the city of Berkeley. So even though we think completely different, uh, different wavelengths, God has created space for us in people's lives where it's like, hey, even though they don't want God, for some reason, they want us. I right now lead diversity and inclusion for one of the schools in Berkeley. I mean, it's just our, our team leads pods for the schools. I mean, there's just multiple things that we're doing now 
where I would say the loving and serving has caused that. And it really, you know, from that first event, um, we've probably done 30, 40 different things with the school district since then. Um, and where they email out, hey, we're partnering with City Center Church on this. The school district is sending this out. Um, so anyway, so, you know, not to belabor, but that's what it's looked like. I love it, Ray. I, and uh, just fantastic uh, testimony. I know. Uh, well, I want to give a shout out. If anyone's listening, uh, I know you are. Uh, go ahead. And you have a question, right? About how, when, where, what was it like? Any question. We're talking about discipleship. Uh, author Steve Pike of Next Wave Church Planner, Ray Hudson in Berkeley, California. Fantastic. So go ahead and drop some uh, your questions in the comments there. And our man, Brooks is going to drop it into us and we would love to get have Ray answer any questions or, or, or Steve as well. Steve, you wrote in chapter two about really what we're talking about and planting a church where, where the, the people there don't want a church. And, and your answer to that is very similar. Like you said about what Ray's describing just, but so let's go in and create awareness of positive in, you know, by loving and serving, by loving and serving the community. So uh, I'd, I'd love for you to expound on that. I'd love for you to ask more questions uh, of Ray about it because it, boy, everything he's describing lines up exactly with that reimagining what discipleship really is all about. Absolutely. And, and I just want to kind of double down on what Ray just pointed out. Like it sound, if I understand correctly, your first event, you guys were basically running a parking lot for, yeah. So we had t-shirts that said, be fun, make fun, have fun. And then with our name on the back of it, they love that. People would stop us just to ask what the t-shirts meant, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's great. But so you weren't, you didn't have like somebody with a loudspeaker as people were driving in, you need to you give your life to Jesus or something like that. Right. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm being facetious, but again, sometimes we, we try to uh, speed up what we think is speeding up the disciple making process by thinking, Oh man, I've got to go ahead and, you know, uh, preach the word, share a Bible verse or something. You guys, it sounds like you did have a T-shirt and had the name of the church right on the back. Is that right? Yeah, just on the back. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but what they're probably seeing mostly is just, uh, what was it? Uh, it's a culture phrase that we use a lot, but it's be fun, make fun, have fun. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. And that's that's a great point. So the point is you, you made people aware of you in a positive way. And that was your first event. But then you did that probably a hundred other ways. And the fruit you just told us about two years later, that those little seeds are, are, were planted are coming up big time now. So then, you know, again, what, what I talk about in the book is just recognizing that, that there's a, it, it people go through a process. So the first thing is, so somebody's driving in that parking lot, um, maybe a few of them, I don't know, maybe you met them, maybe you learned their name, maybe not, maybe it wasn't at that event, but somewhere along the line, the next thing you can be intentional about is let's learn people's names so we can pray for them. You mentioned that prayer is a foundation. And I just think that's so important to emphasize, like through the whole thing, you're bathing this thing in prayer. But what I love about learning people's names and praying for them is that is a very tangible way you can be, um, you can be intentional about helping people move toward Jesus because you can start praying for anybody. If you know their name, even if you don't know their name, but if you know their name, it's even more powerful to say, Hey, I'm praying for my neighbor and so-and-so and you're, you're calling them out to God. So I don't know if, if that's something you guys specifically did, but talk to us about how like you help people that had a good experience with you coming in the parking lot, sort of take another step toward Jesus by 
learning by praying for them or learning their name and praying for them? How, the, the, can you give any examples of that? Yeah. And I think that, um, I guess what I would say too, is that there's a, ph- a philosophical thought that you have to have on like, what's the purpose of the event, right? So, you know, so what, what are you trying to get accomplished? You know, Jason's marketer, right? So everything that you do, there's, there's a point to it, right? Like there's gotta be a purpose. Um, and so for us, I think you would think, okay, our, our desire is we're, we're trying to meet a bunch of people. No, they got to see our name. It's like we had a billboard and those people got to see it. But our, but what we were looking for was the impact to the teachers. And so when we look at our philosophy of transformation in our city, we feel called to the leaders. And I think a lot of times what churches do is they will go, uh, uh, go opposite of the leaders or go around the leaders to get to the people. But we say, man, if we can impact the leaders and they want us, now that actually exponentially um, hits us, right? Because now we're in relationship with people who can give us access. And so now we have access. At that moment, we were just trying to help the teachers rethink church, right? And so be- because we, we can do that, I can talk to you about the lady who two weeks, the teacher, two weeks after we did our first event, but because of the way we served just at the first one, they wanted more. They asked us, hey, because we had talked about in the beginning, hey, we can bring you guys lunch. They were like, oh, we don't want to. Chris Albeck, he's the principal or was the vice principal. And he's like, ah, we don't, you know, we, we don't want you to bring any lunch. You know, you can just do the service thing. After doing it the first time, the principal said, man, you guys should bring us lunch. So literally four weeks later, we bring lunch to the teachers. And one of the teachers there just said, man, like in the 20 years I've been teaching, no one has ever brought us lunch like this for no reason. And so I, there were people we got to meet, but for us, our mindset was we want to get into the lives of those teachers, right? So that's 68 teachers that were there. We, we got into the room with them. We thanked them. This is, again, just, you know, two weeks they asked us, but in the four weeks when we actually brought it to them. Um, and so, but now that's the school that I'm leaving diversity inclusion with. That's the, the principal who didn't want us there, he, who's now the principal of the school. I, he, he asked me to pray, you know, we talked about praying for him for something that he has going on in his life. Right. And so I think there's, you know, sure. There were people that we interacted with. They they've seen us, but for us, it's the the lives of those teachers because those are the ones that we're in daily relationship uh, with um, if that makes sense. And so I think it's just more of a philosophy thing of, okay, who are you trying to help rethink for us? It was the staff, which has led us to where we are today. Hey, Ray, we've got a question from uh, one of the listeners right now that uh, I think uh, just plays right into what you're talking about now. And um, here's the question it says, our core group is, is quite small. So there's minimal impact and ability to serve in considerable ways. I think there's probably something you could speak to there. But he says, after four years, it seems like we've hardly made a noticeable difference. How do we magnify our loving and serving focus in a way that creates relationships an impact. So how do you start small? Yeah. Okay. So was there, was his name in there or no? No. Okay. Unnamed man or woman that's uh, asked that question. I think I would just encourage you with, you know, I say this to people like when we, when we first started, it wasn't because we were trying to make huge impact in the whole city. Um, For us, it was that there were 68 teachers, one principal, that we said, if we could just love and serve them and help them rethink, that was, that was our goal. And so I think that, um, I think there's times where we're trying to do so much, you know, uh, to, to bring out this, you know, to get our names out there, where I would say, 
what if you just be faithful with every opportunity? And so I think that that would be my first encouragement is just, uh, just be faithful with every opportunity. Don't go in with a preconceived notion of what you want, see what they need um, uh, to, to that first point of your team being small. I mean, our team was small when we did the first one, um, but we just galvanized them to say, Hey, this is a part of what we do. Um, and so that's what I'd say to that. And what was the second part of that? Just how do they magnify? How do they, how do they focus a way that creates those relationships and impact and magnify what they're doing to love and serve? Yeah. Like I said, I think there's, I think part of it is also having a vision, you know, so our vision is that we want to impact every kid at every school. That's kind of our vision. We call it city cares. We want to impact every kid at every school. So to magnify that, I think for us, it was to this, the, the point of saying we have to start small. So that, that vision, we were okay if it took us 10 years to get there. Um, but I think it's just being okay with every opportunity. Um, I know that sounds not, you know, this huge thing, but I, one of the things that God's always said to me was just be faithful with the little. So whatever little you have right now, I would encourage you just to be faithful. My story is a miracle story. Um, it's hard to do this in any, any city for it to happen in Berkeley. It's not because we are some special and we have a special sauce. It's just because God has something that he's doing special um, in this area and we're just a part of it. And so I, I think that, you know, but in a, in the real world, <laughs> you know, if God, if God wants us to be, you know, there are missionaries who are amazing and it takes them years to see impact. And I think for you planters, you could, you could have the greatest strategy and you still takes years. And I think part of that is just to say, which I know we've all heard it. It's just the faithfulness, being faithful with the little, um, not trying to go past where God has taken you. If God has you in just a small area of impact, just do that super well. And the more will come, I think would be my encouragement, Jason. I love the vision that you're casting here for your, your church. You weren't deciding that's your vision for your outreach to serve all the students and the teachers and the principal. You're saying that, I mean, like as a church, we exist here to help the students of Berkeley. And I think that is different than uh, and I'm not saying that this isn't embedded in this question at all, but you guys can imagine that there's other planters. Uh, I'll raise my hand as guilty um, that, you know, want to go do an outreach so that people might come back and attend uh, rather than just to go and serve with the understanding that, Hey, we're here to love and serve. But um, I, I love that vision to, you know, start small, start with what you can do, but, but it is part of a bigger vision but of the whole church continuing to love and serve the community. Yeah. And, and I think you're right, Jason. Like, I think for us, we say uh, we don't want it to be transactional. And I think that a lot of times when we think evangelism is transactional, it is, Hey, I'm doing this because I'm hoping that there's an ROI, right. A return on my investment. And I think for us, because our outcome is we want people to rethink their preconceived notions of faith then it's not that we're trying to get them to a service. And then if we just think, you know, if we take a biblical look at it, I don't remember Jesus ever saying, Hey, I want you to disciple people to get to city center church, right? You're trying to get them to God. And I think that's one of the things we talk about as a team is, man, if you're, if you're, if you're ones, the people guys uniquely crafted you to reach, and this is discipleship, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but one of the main things we say is, Hey, if you're ones, God's uniquely crafted you to reach that I will never see, but you will only see if they never show up to city center church, that's okay. Because God's desire for them is to get them to him. Now, maybe they will, um, but that's not our primary focus. And I think that in the church of America, I think we've made that the primary focus or yeah. at least a big portion of it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So good, Ray. Um, yeah. And the way, again, what I love about this is you are um, embodying in the way that, that City Center Church has emerged in Berkeley, you're embodying really the principles that, that, that I'm, that I ca- tried to capture from our learnings with all these other churches in terms of how people move toward faith in Christ. Like you're, you, you, you label that, or you would call that, um, you know, helping them reconsider their, their perspective on the church. Uh, forget exactly the words you use for that, but here's the, here's what I'd like to do. So ju- let me just, so, you know, we would say the pre-conversion side of the disciple making deal they're kind of four phases that people move through and, and this can take 10 years and it, or it can take 10 minutes. You know, it's so that this is not a, a time factor here. It's a positive awareness, some kind of connection uh, that comes out of that positive awareness where there, you begin to pray for that person relationship. So when you talk about the six, the 68 teachers, that that's a real specific number. So I'm guessing that you either knew all the names of those teachers or you knew most of the names or something. And then some of them you developed a relationship with, and then some of those you have spiritual conversations with. So, you know, the more people you make aware of you, the more connections you'll have, the more, but, but the numbers get smaller as you, as you go forward. So anyway, I want to get to the point that I think is, is really powerful. You guys as a church have organized yourselves around helping people, people, Actually, you have multiple ways that people can start to connect with the church, with you, and ultimately with Jesus. And it's this framework. And I think you, uh, the way I think about it is you have uh, five categories of engagement uh, that you've, that you've described. So can we, let's dig into that a little bit, because I think that framework will help people think about like you, you now do have a weekly service, um, but that isn't that isn't the only thing and it isn't even the main necessarily the main thing. It's one of the, one of the things you do. So let's talk about your, your five um, categories of engagement or whatever the language you give for that. Yeah, can you, can you share? Yeah. yeah. Just put, pulling it up here so you guys can see it. Um, yeah. So we, um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily say categories of engagement, but I think that that works for, um, you know, for us, we, we just say, Hey, these are the five things that we do as a church yeah. and, uh, we don't, we don't do any, anything else. Um, and so you guys can see it there, but the first one is, man, we are, uh, we call it our team, you know, so we, we kind of put a scorecard here and you guys, you know, churches talk about scorecards, but we say we do five things as a church. We say we do our, um, city teams, uh, city cares city groups, city hubs, and city gatherings. And uh, we've kind of said, hey, this is kind of almost our ecclesiology. Like when we think about, you know, who we are as a church, what we do, um, you know, when we do our, you know, new people party, or we are talking to even community people, um, or we're talking to our team, we say, man, there's five things we do as a church. And there's many other things that we can do, but these are the five things that we do. And so for city teams, we say, man, we want to we feel like discipleship is important. So we're talking about this right now. So we say discipleship is at the forefront of everything uh, that we do. And so because it's at the forefront, of everything we do, we say, man, we want to, and I won't read it specifically from this, but you guys can see it, but we want to simply disciple our team as they disciple their ones. If we didn't do anything else as a church, but we did this well, I like to say, man, if we, if we, if we created a team of people, so let's just say our, you know, we got more than this, let's just say our core core team, 80 people who uh, are, um, we're discipling them uh, and they're uh, impacting their ones or engaging with their ones 
would that make it a church? I think it's a question that we should all ask because I think, you know, as we think about what makes a church and all of that, is that okay? And so, you know, we like to say as a church, yes, man, that would be the church. If we are discipling our team and they can all, you know, so I always like to tell people, if you can, if you jump on our calls and you asked our team, man, who are the people God's uniquely crafted you to reach? And are you uh, in relationship with them? Almost all of our team can give you at least one. Many can give you a few people that God is specifically intentionally having them reach. And so, you know, that's city team, but we, what we say next. Okay. Is, so hang on yeah. a second. So you, you, you're talking about their ones and mm-hmm. you kind of just, just define that a little bit more specifically, because that's a really important concept. You know, how, how do you know when, when, when there's a one, what is, what is a one, who is a one? Yeah, I think, I mean, so, you know, and, and you guys will stop me if I go too long, but you know, I think what we, again, goes back to what we've told people, man, the people like your friends, God wants you to get them to my church. You do an event, get them to our church. But in the Silicon Valley, where we are, or even really around the country now, um, think about the people that God's crafted them in relationship with. What if they don't live anywhere near your church? But what you've told them is their ministries to get their friends to their church. But what if their friends could, can't actually show up to their church? And so when we think about people's ones, it really is based off of our vision statement, which is impacting the Bay Area or Berkeley, whatever you want to say that. One person, one family, one community at a time. And we say the community and family has to do with our church. And the one the one person has to do with your the people you've been crafted to reach. And so we say, those are the people that you're uniquely crafted to reach that I will never see or meet unless they do show up to our church at some point. Um, but for us, the ones are the people that you are engaging with intentionally. Back to your question, when does discipleship start? Well, for sure, it stops starts pre-conversion, we believe. And so if that's true, there are people that you can be in relationship with. And for us, our team knows that you're going to love and serve so hard that when they interact with you, they start to rethink their preconceived notions of faith. And so we just say it's just the people that are uniquely crafted to reach. And for here in the Bay Area, it may be someone in China that you're engaging with every single day because you're on a team together. Right. If I told you you had to get that person to my church, I mean, in a digital world that works, but just reality is there's probably a church that they could get into where they're at, but we've made it such a high bar of, Hey, you got to get them to our church. Um, But what if that's not their next step? So one of the things we say is one of our values is identifying people's next steps. And so what if the next step is just to have coffee with them uh, or go on a walk with your ones or have them over for dinner? Um, You know, the step to come to church, maybe 10, 15 steps away. And so, so that's what we say when we talk about the ones, it's just the people you're uniquely crafted to reach that may never show up to city center church, but you're trying to get them to God. And so it starts with their relationship with you. Great. Okay. So I kind of interrupted you because you're going through the, the five yeah. um, uh, scorecards and the teams. So the teams, city teams, um, is that, are, are, are those groups of, disciple makers working together what what, what does it mean by teams what yeah do you mean so, by teams? so teams let's say they move it move all the way through our engagement pathway and we've got so we have our core you know our team leads and then we have our launch team um, and then we have the people that then make the decision to go through our pathway to become a part of our team and so the team is going to be the you know the people that are serving with us the people that are, are giving um people who are calling their, you know, we don't say church, like we have, we don't have a church, you know, we do have a church, we say we have a team. And so when we think of a team, it's like, Hey, we're trying to get everyone to the place to where they're engaging with their ones. That's, you know, they're doing that. We say, Hey, you're a part of our team. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so that's city teams. And so what I was saying was, you know, does that make it church? And, and we would say yes, 
but we, we like to also say, but if you're, if your city doesn't know that you exist or don't want you there, you know, then are you missing it? And so, so then our second thing is, hey, man, if we can build our team well, we still, for us, number two is we want to care for our community. And so that's where City Cares comes from. And that mindset has to do, you know, and you guys got it on there, is that we're loving, I've said it already, but loving and serving our community so hard that they rethink their preconceived notions about faith, right? And so, you know, who cares if you're there if the city doesn't want you there? So we want our city to want us there. And so we're gauging that based off of, man, like, does my city want us here? And for us, when we, when we're meeting that, we're meeting that scorecard because now we know, Hey, they want it. They want us to be a part. They want it to serve with us. Um, and so that's where city cares comes in and that vision that Jason, you were talking about, which is to impact every kid at every school. Um, you know, for that one, we're like, man, we want to impact every kid at every school. And so that's what we're looking forward to. And then um, for us, it's, you know, we move into what we call our, our city groups. Now um, those are not life groups. You guys have heard of life groups before, um, but for us, those are actually missional, um, and actually have a little, uh, I can show you, I wanted to, okay. Can you guys see that? Yeah. And so, so this is just an overview of what our city groups look like. And so the purpose of them, it says on here, the purpose of these groups is to help our team members find ways to engage in intentional relationships with our team and our ones. And so these are not, you know, Bible studies, although we can have, you know, Bible studies are important, but we say these are missional groups that you can intentionally talk about. So, so people may not even know they're in a city group. They may, they may not know that they're in your life group, if you're calling it that. But you know, and when we talk about it in our teams, you can talk about the intentionality of it. You know, so some people on our team will, can tell you about the person that, that's their neighbor that they go on a walk with every Tuesday uh, or play pickleball with or go play golf with or, you know, for me, a group that I'm leading with the school district and we're on calls every other week uh, and just saying like, those are intentional uh, missional relationships uh, that we're looking forward to. Um, and so that's city groups for us. Uh, and then city hubs. Now this is a unique to us, I would say of what we're trying to do, which is we wanna create missional and additional revenue stream spaces um, that our community will engage with us in. So we're in Berkeley, Claremont neighborhood. Um, you know, so many churches have come and gone or a lot of times you're in um, different spaces, different rental spaces. And so part of, really being a part of the community is being able to say, Hey, this is, you know, cities and churches offices are right there. You know, this is our space. You know, our building is right here. And it just gives you um, people look at, okay, you're, you're legit. Like Berkeley uh, is a place a little bit prideful, right. Um, and uh, Berkeley grown Berkeley made, you know? And so for us, we, you know, having those spaces, both are formational so that people, so when we say additional revenue streams, we want people to, to rent our space um, and use it and be in our environment. Uh, it's a goal of ours because now we can have uh, interactions and relationships with people again, and to what? To help them rethink their preconceived notions about faith. And so for us, we're, you know, right now I'm sitting in our hub um, and we have um, two of our offices rented out, uh, which for us produces additional revenue streams, but it also gets us into engagement with people who don't want to go to church, but they're using our space. Um, and so that's city center hubs. And then lastly is our gathering. And, um, you know, that, that would be, you know, you can call it the typical thing that churches would have services. Uh, we look at our gatherings, we call them faith and life talks, um, having conversations about faith. And then how does that apply to, uh, people's lives? And so those are the five kind of core pillars, our ecclesiology of what we do as a church. Um, I will stop sharing this now.
Um, I love, Ray, I love what you were saying, and I want to make sure everyone catches this. Um, and, and Steve, you talk about it in, in this chapter when you're talking about awareness, connection, relationships, spiritual conversations. Ray, when you're describing these five ways you've organized your church, you've used the word metrics, counting. And I, I love that, Steve, you write about it in this chapter about how important it is. We're talking about word intentionality, that we're going to be intentional about how how many aware how much awareness we're bringing to uh, unchurched people people who don't even want you know how much you know so I'd love to like you're measuring these things am I you know you're you're counting so now now we're not just counting how many people showed up at our weekly gathering and how much money they gave uh, you should probably count those things sure but are there not other things to count the things that you guys are outlining like let's be clear you're telling like these should be metrics that we count. We celebrate, we repeat, we want to see grow. Ray, would you agree? Would, could you speak to that? Like how often do you review that? I don't agree at all, you know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, you see, I thought I had a friend. Uh, no, I'm joking. No, I completely agree, Jason. And really we went to the scorecard, like rethinking it because we said this was important to us and we said, hey, we don't want monthly gathering the main thing, but we want it to be one of the main things, right? And so that's where those five pillars are. But you're right. Like we have scorecards that we're gauging based off of the outcome for us. Like are people rethinking their preconceived notions about faith? So city teams, hey, are our team engaging with their ones? You know, city cares. Are we um, in relationships with our community and and they want us there? Um, You know, I'd say check to that. You know, city groups. um, Do we have people on our team that are in missional relationships that are intentional that they can talk about, right? And then, you know, our hubs, you know, do we have people in our space that are both missional and also helping us to fund what we do? You know, check again. City gatherings is what we're now shifting into. Now with things opening up, we have a digital campus. Um, but even for that, it's how many of our ones are showing up, not how many people are in our seats. Um, and so. Well, yeah. a question just came in and, uh, you know, uh, and actually two uh, about the scorecard that you just showed um, and about those five areas of engagement. Uh, one is someone asked uh, if there's a place they can get the document rate share. The answer is yes. Uh, we're going to drop some links at the end here. Uh, part of the, We'll be posting them in the Next Wave community. If you go to the Next Wave dot community slash exponential. There's a free month in there. We'll have all of those documents in there. Um, and then at the very end, I'll give you another link that, uh, that if, where you can drop your email and we could just even email you those links. So, um, but Ray, someone asked um, if like, well, specifically in regards to that scorecard and the documents and those five ideas, did those just come from you or was that, was that a team collaborative like, where, where did you get that? Are you like Moses? You went up on a mountain, God like carved it into stone. You brought it back down for everyone in Berkeley. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I would, I would say it was Pete's and God. No, that's not things, because that is not biblical. This is. <laughs> Listen, Pete's originated in Berkeley, you know, um, it's a shameless plug for Pete's. I'm a marketing director for them, even though they don't oh, know whatever. it. Um, no, you know what it was, Jason? It really was March. These were things we were already doing. And so as I looked at, okay, we're trying to build a church right now. How are we going to do that? And I only put to framework what we were already talking about. So one, we wanted city center hubs. God gave me a vision for that pre-pandemic. This was like six months before the pandemic. This thought of, can we create an additional revenue stream space 
as both missional, you know, missional first, but also produces revenue where the community, Berkeley, that's, you know, there's a bunch of like small pockets of stores and shops, but if we can create a space that's right a part of that community and then people are just coming and engaging. So that's where the city center house, me and my, my wife, my wife, why don't she tell you, we argued about that because we're like, man, just plant normal, right? I'm, I get this vision of thought about city center hubs. She's like, we're just going to go launch in a school. I'm like, babe, I, I get that. That's the way everyone's doing it. But I just feel like God has given something else. So that's where the hub model came from. The city cares, March, uh, we were already serving, but, I, but I, as I was thinking strategy, Jason, of, okay, how do we engage even more in our community? Let's come up with a brand of it. Let's call it city cares. We're already doing it, but then let, let's say, Hey, this is important. This is not just, you know, a small thing that we do. We want this to be a big thing. Um, our team, you know, it's just discipleship. And so when I was looking at building a team digitally, I said, who cares how many views we get? I need to see people. And so we need to build our team, not try to build a church. That's where that came from. The groups is just, Hey, get in missional relationships. Um, you can't, you know, if you ask someone to come to Bible study, they're not going to show up. Um, and so, yeah, so it was just really putting to flesh and words um, what we were already feeling. And, you know, because I had to write a new strategy in March, that's kind of where it came in was like, okay, how do we do this digitally and really build a team of people and not a following, you know, a digital following that, that are not a part of what we're doing. Um, and so that's kind of where that came from. Now, I know Steve's got some more questions, but I just to be fair, I stood with you, Ray, when uh, you and Rachel were married, and I personally know that she is, you know, more talented, smarter <laughs> in every way, uh, more spiritual than you are. So, um, but uh, tell me about like some of those teams, like your team was already doing this. These were things that you guys were already doing. So mm -hmm. I think at the heart of the question was, is this just a Ray thing? You came down and the team just did it and they're just on board with it. Uh, there's probably some of that. You got a vision cast for that as a leader. I think we're talking about church plant leadership here. Mm -hmm. And then how much of it was collaborative that you brought out like, Hey, wow, we're already doing this. Look what God as a community is already doing. I'm recognizing what God was already doing among the team. Mm -hmm. Was it both and can you, and, and, and what was that process like? Yeah. I mean, I, our team helped to, to frame everything we did because at the beginning of the process, we said, our first culture phrase was this kingdom over preference. And so for six months, when we, you know, when we had our first team meeting, you know, back in 2019, um, I just said, Hey, like, would we be willing to choose God's kingdom over our preferences? And part of that was saying, we really need to rethink church, rethink our preconceived notions about church. Um, and so that journey was a journey of our whole team talking about, Hey, God said, Let's be a church that loves and serves. And so we're, we're having these conversations about the gathering. What does that look like? And how do we care? You know, how do we reach a city like Berkeley? How do we care for them? You know, those are words that we use pre this terminology. Um, but the framework for it, I would say, you know, it was just me taking what we were already kind of talking about and trying to figure out. And then I like branding things. Um, and so it was just more like, okay, how do we, how do we get it into something that is easy for a new person to understand? Hey, there's five things that we do. Boom, 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 boom. And, um, and it really, for us, sets the foundation. And then if you guys know, like the Great Commission Engine, um, all five of those actually fit um, one of those pistons. Um, and so there's that also that we're, we're walking through now as a church is now we're starting to say, okay, well, what resources are out there that can help us even take what we kind of have a vision for to the next level? 
Um, and so we've been looking at kind of intentional churches and seeing, okay, like, are there things that they are, are talking about that help us in what we're doing to, to get even better? Um, so that's what I would say to that question. Hopefully that answers it, Jason. It's awesome. Well, hey, Steve, we've got time uh, for about one more question. Uh, just would love to hear your thoughts. And as you, we wrap this up, like, yeah. and then we're talking about discipleship. Uh, yeah, I just, so really quick, Ray, you just dropped something out there. You talked about the Great Commission engine. Like, we all know what that is. And I'm guessing a bunch of people want to know more about that. So I, we don't really have time for you to expound on that. But is there a, like a website or something people can go to to learn about the Great Commission engine? Or I think you just go to Intentional Churches. Um, Intentional also, Churches. Yeah, there's okay. a podcast on YouTube. And I think the introduction to it. And then talks okay. about the Great Commission issue. But real quick, it's just three things. Catalytic weekend experiences, transformative relationships, and um, selfless living. That's, that's kind of like things that fuel that. Engine. Okay. You gotta, and that's, of, and that's intentional churches is the website. Churches, yeah. Okay. I cool. Know, I don't know the website name, but then if you oh, look up intentional, if you churches, Google. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Okay. So really quick, just, uh, just quickly, like you, you, you've got that scorecard. How do you guys interact with that scorecard? I mean, do you review that regularly? Do you track how you're doing? How, how do you actually use that to help keep your missional progress headed in the right direction? Yeah, I think it's something that we talk about every week. So um, as a team, you know, there's five questions that kind of um, talk about those those areas. Uh, and so as a team, every Monday, we're just talking through, okay, how have we, how have we reached, you know, what are we doing to, to engage this? Our, um, we have a goal sheet and our goals are all wrapped around those five things. And so every goal is attached back to one of those. And so we're just... Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of what it looks like is, and I think that the way we're taking it to the whole nother level is where we have a team member who's over uh, each of those areas. Um, and so that's the shift we're, we're, we're kind of shifting into now is, Hey, we want a, you know, one team member that's over all those areas and then everything underneath it and their gate, then it's their job to gauge and to report on what that looks like. So that's, so that's our next iteration. Great. That, that's that's really helpful because again the, the the word that is the theme of this thing is intentionality and what you're really describing is the church is really built on a platform of making disciples that's what you care about is ultimately when you talk about the output it's people who are following Jesus you ultimately want people to become part of your team and those are people who are uh, caring about their one. And, uh, and your major, everything you do is to measure that. So that's, that's great. I, I appreciate you sharing so much today and, um, it's been super powerful. So I'm going to turn it back to, to Jason and say, land this plane, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if, uh, you've been watching, uh, you're, you want to know more about what we're talking about and get some resources on it or be a part of this ongoing conversation. We're trying to crack the code of 21st century ministry. Uh, We're talking about reimagining discipleship. Uh, Next wave uh, is Steve's book. And this is chapter two. This is shift two. A couple ways that you can get connected more to this content today is nextwave.community slash 
exponential will actually take you to a free month of our online community. Uh, there's an, in, there's an interview already in there with Ray, uh, lots of others in there, uh, you know, with Mark Batterson and Alan Hirsch, as well as weekly topics. We have weekly, it's a, it is a, interactive community where we are trying to figure out not just what is a best practice for the next 50 years, but what is working today. Um, and as we reimagine discipleship and get very intentional, not just about what happens after somebody becomes a Christian, but today we're talking about how do we get very intentional about how do we serve our cities and serve people prior to that conversion so that we can create awareness, we can create spiritual conversations. Next wave dot community slash exponential for a free month into that community. Um, or there's also next wave dot community slash reimagine dash discipleship. And we can post that link as well. Um, that will, you can actually download shift number two, say you're not ready to buy the book or jump, jump into the, the community. You can get just shift two as a PDF for you today. Uh, if you log in to either of those options, we will get Ray's. Uh, material that he showed off today. We'll get that to you either in your inbox or you'll be able to access it there in the community. I know uh, one of the things we're talking about discipleship and one of the things that uh, we'll talk more about in the future, but also Ray's been a part of a conversation with me and some other leaders called the Jesus Experience. I know uh, he's helping take the gospels. I don't know that we ever graduate, right? And But how do we make disciples while we're reading through the words of Jesus and then helping uh, apply what he's saying to our lives. And I know Ray's taking his leaders through that right now. You can get that same framework and get connected with us. If you go to thejesusxp.com, that is a completely free resource uh, framework downloads there. If you want to connect more with Ray, and I would just highly, highly recommend it. You guys can sense it. You can hear it in his voice. You can see uh, even uh, just the confidence and the anointing and the miracle that's happening there in Berkeley. You can go to ourcitycenter.com. And uh, Ray, I know real quick, uh, we've got about a minute left here, but there's been a mirror, like you have a building now in Berkeley. That that right there, like you're not just talking about leasing space, like you've got your own building now in Berkeley, California. Yeah, it's uh, crazy to think. It's a huge miracle to have a building that's already zoned for religious gatherings. It's like 6,700 square feet. We didn't want it. We weren't looking for it. We were okay with just having our hub, which is like, you know, 1300 square feet and maybe get something a little bit bigger to gather. Um, but God's opened the door and it's just been, it's crazy. And uh, we may have our first worship night in it, uh, June 13th. Come on. Well, Hey, I'll tell you what, I, I know I'm, I'm stoked to follow along with your journey, Ray. And if anyone's listening and wants to be a part, wants to be a partner, Ray's not going to ask, but I'll tell you what, he will take any kind of partnership, your prayers, your finances, your help. Uh, but I'll maybe even a trip out to Berkeley to see what's going on and taste and see that uh, what God's doing there is pretty good. Ourcitycenter.com. You can connect with Ray, uh, his whole team and everything that's happening there. Uh, I'm Jason with Artspeak Creative. Uh, man, Steve, this has been awesome. I love this conversation. Looking forward to more as we crack this uh, you know, code of uh, 21st century ministry. Yeah, one of the things that that we we Ray talked about, but we didn't get time to dig into, is this uh, funding thing that they they are they figured out a way to generate revenue. We're going to be talking about that in two weeks from now on our next cracking the the code uh, conversation. So that's going to be we'll talk about how to get all the money you need, <laughs> all the money you need, and more. Right, and so that's <laughs> two weeks from today. 
uh, that's a big part. I think that we've got to get intentional and innovative when it comes to funding models. But Ray, thanks for sharing your innovations today with us and everyone listening here on the Exponential Podcast. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll talk soon.